What the fuck is up, world? Piali Plastic Pack. We back in this bitch. Another grito. Another podcast for that ass. Coming back to you less than one week. About a week or so. About a week ago. Shout out to the boy, right? Bobby Schmurda just recently released. When? About a week ago. Womp, womp, womp. It's a terrible joke. I apologize, okay? I was just trying to fucking get this bitch going somehow. <laughs> What's good, yo? We back up in this bitch, ready to continue the story that we've been telling since the start of the new year. So let's get right to it. Actually, before we do, taking care, uh, taking quick care of the formalities as always, starting off first with the social medias. If you haven't already, follow your boy, OG underscore Ice Nice 13 on the gram and something along the lines on Facebook, Twitter, um, and also YouTube, right? Uh, so you can keep up with me outside of this podcast for those of you who are interested in doing so, as well as potentially help lend support in the future. I'm working on getting this Patreon uh, launched where I'll be offering exclusive content for those of you who do follow along and help, you know, me escape the hood, if you will, continue to escape the hood along this trajectory that I've been on for the past 10 or so years of my life and doing so. Right. Um, I'm also got the fuck. I'm also working up on some merchandise. T-shirts, pins, stickers, you know, use mugs, hats, all that kind of shit, right? So it's something that I'm looking forward to bringing soon into the near future so that we can continue along this philosophical journey that I've been going through with this El Grito podcast through this hood philosophy and that you, through your support, have been so kind to enable for me to do so, right? Shout out to every single last motherfucking one of you listening to this podcast. That's just a long-winded way of saying that, right? And we're just going to try to continue on and expanding this motherfucker to as far as it could potentially grow, right? Keep it as organic as possible the entire time. Um, so yeah, let's just get right into it, dog. Following up on the last chapter of our fucking series here, of our story here, the truth about stories, breaking it down a little bit, right? And just a quick reiteration. Again, there's something strange to these stories, yo, that are uniquely fundamental to the human experience. Again, we like to tell ourselves shit like it's just a story, but honestly, again, just quick reiteration. So it's everything that we know about reality, yo. Again, even science is boring ass fucking story, okay? That situates you within the grander narrative of what we all think reality is. So basically, it's legit programming. I mentioned it before in the previous podcast. I'm going to work on it inevitably. I haven't dropped it yet, right? I was looking through the the podcast notes that I have and it's yet to come. So it'll be a forthcoming one. I'll talk a little bit about it here right now in the introduction before I get to the chapter for today. But really is, dog, these stories are programming and what we are is hardware then, which would entail that the ideas that we have, which come to us via story form is a form of software, right? So when we ask ourselves shit, why are stories so important is because we understand that these fucking stories, they ground us in reality, bro. And without them, we would literally be fucking lost in the sauce, yo. We'd be out there floating around in space, the space here being actual being, okay? And this kind of shit is fucking haunting, yo, really, because at the core of it all, you realize just how fucking terrifying, just how truly haunting existence really is, yo. And our respective stories that we choose to ground us to reality are realistically the only things that keep us sane. Uh, they help us feel secure, right? From the monsters, if you will, that are under the bed. What are the monsters under the bed? This fucking vast unknowingness of reality, bro. Like it's fucking 2021, according to European Christian peoples. And y'all, we still have no fucking clue of what reality is, bro. And that shit's fucking haunting. That shit's terrifying. That is the monster under the bed, along with so many others that are accompanied with it, or perhaps better stated, 
by proxy of it. Childhood trauma, direct response to this fucking monster under the bed, dog. Why? Because your parents are dealing, were dealing with the same shit. Probably still are if they're still alive and they haven't engaged in the recovery process just yet. You know what I mean? And, you know, because of that, they engage in these self-destructive patterns of behavior. I know I'm speaking for sure for my mom. I told you before, I don't know my dad. I never met the motherfucker, right? Um, because he was out dealing with this fucking... The, the the dealing with the vastness of existence in the way that he knew how and that was by shooting heroin you know what i mean by escaping reality essentially so i was raised by my I was realistically raised by my grandparents yo but my mom was there right and uh you know her her inability to properly cope with the trauma of existing with the assault of existence uh it, it led me to develop obviously the fucking traumas that i speak of and that i have spoken of and will continue to do so in the future right um as a means of coping with with her shit but also with reality as i as i as i continue along and hopefully you know i don't i'm going to you know with our own children one way or another no one fucking is perfect bro it's going to be impossible to do so my only hope is that i'm conscious enough to not do so in a way that is terribly fucking you know um debilitating to my future offspring you know what i'm saying uh there's just one way or another you're going to the parenting i'm sure is going to be a fucking a, a difficult topic right uh it's just a difficult process no one gets it perfect is what i'm trying to say so what i'm trying to say is like i'm not going to purposely go out of my way to fucking traumatize my children but inevitably i'm sure something that i do will whether it be you speak too loudly you speak too directly all that kind of shit you know it's just all part of the process of learning and trying to develop and be a better person a better a parent whatever the case might be you know what i'm saying anyways what i'm trying to state here ultimately is in that those fucking childhood traumas those lingering ptsds that we have these self-destructive patterns of behavior they're all you know facilitated by the grander unknowing and the reasoning here behind this statement is because in the absence of any fixed truth in the absence of any truly absolute story to ground us in reality we're all basically just floating around and there's nothing in this anyways yo and it's these stories that we tell ourselves that keep the haunting existential dread at bay right and this is again what I'm trying to state, yo. Is this is the core of human suffering. It's, it's this is the core of human suffering, bro. And it's one that unfortunately many people will never broach. Right now, it's fucked up because obviously we all have the ability to do so. We all have the ability to embrace and or at least fucking acknowledge the vast fucking knowing unknowingness of the being, right? Of Teot, if you will. But that doesn't mean that we will. I've talked about this before in my Heideggerian podcast. I'll do so again in a future Heideggerian podcast because I'm on a point in my life right now. Surprise, surprise, your boy kind of going through it, right? So inevitably, Heidegger is around the time that Heidegger comes up, followed shortly thereafter by Nietzsche, and then the come up, because every set down is setting up for a come up or whatever that generic fucking, you know, quote is or whatever the case might be. So anyways, and going back to how it relates is because, again, we all have the ability to confront this vast unknowingness, but obviously many of us aren't going to. If you're listening to this podcast, I hope that it is the case that you will, right? And I can only hope that I myself will continue to do so because, you know, the alternative is a life of not, it's, I, I don't know, man. I've never, like I said, I never met my dad, but he's the fucking, he's the one that I think of the most when, whenever I'm considering this. And the reason why is because I don't, me personally, foresee how a person who is addicted to smack can potentially have anything of a good life it's not a real good life it's a fake good life the high is not real right but i'm only stating that because i've never done smack myself i've never been high off fucking heroin so i don't fucking know right so i would like to assume that the life that he's led is probably not a conducive one conducive to happiness but absent my experience and you know forever i'm never going to do that kind of shit right um, cause I, I've seen where it, what it does. Well, never seen, you know, I, I know what it's like via the absence of my father. You know what I mean? And because of that, I'll never do that. Right. But, um, 
That's not to say that I won't get lost in some other fucking self-destructive habits that you pick up in an attempt to try to deal with the seeming unknowingness of existence, right? And that, that's a potential that is always going to plague us. I'm doing okay right now, but what's to say 10 years from now, 20 years from now, right? And the same is true of every single person on this planet. But, you know, to be positive, because I'm not a fucking, I'm not a black pill guy. What I mean by a black pill guy is it's not all doom and gloom, homie. I believe in the fucking redemptive nature of fucking human beings. So it might have been all that way for the entirety of your existence up until today where you say to yourself, you know what? Fuck that, dog. I'm going to turn my life around completely and I'm going to embrace the nothingness of existence and I'm going to continue from this point forward to try to live the best happy life that I potentially can on this limited time that I do on this slippery fucking earth, Latik Pak. You know what I'm saying? But of course, some of us, again, we're just, they're just not going to happen for whatever reason. Some of us, we're just simply dumb as fuck, dog, and we'll never consider these potentialities, right? It's never going to cross their minds. And they will live this passive existence, basically, from birth to death, completely oblivious of what's going on because they've latched onto their story and they're okay with it. It's brought them the comfort that they need to be able to sleep comfortably at night, if you will, right? And if I'm being honest, bro, this kind of shit is pretty enviable, honestly, okay? But unfortunately for us, I say you because you wouldn't be listening to my fucking podcast if you weren't part of the us in this situation, right? Um, we're not one of them. <laughs> and nothing short of a willful lobotomy is going to make that possible for us. Like, I'm sorry, I've considered it before. Can I fucking drown out all these thoughts in my head with fucking alcohol? Can I do so with drugs? Can I do so with women? Can I do so with whatever? All these other self-destructive patterns of behavior that I had developed in the past in an attempt to try to, you know, cope with the seeming fucking meaninglessness of existence. It's not going to happen, dog. And I come to the realization that you can have all the women, you can have all the drugs, all the alcohol, right? You can chase all the money, but in the end of the day, nothing short of a fucking willful lobotomy is going to make it so that you stop questioning all this fucking shit about of existence. So the only alternative then is to just, just embrace it. Just fucking embrace it for what it is, the, up, the ups and the downs, the highs and the lows, and just fucking rock and roll, homie. Enjoy the experience, right? And this is, again, obviously where you get that whole Heideggerian talk about Dasein kind of shit, like people who are just willfully uh, not acknowledging it. But like I said, the Heideggerian shit is like right around, I could see it over the horizon to use some more Heideggerian language, right? The horizon of possibilities, if you will. Um, it wasn't initially a part of the story that I'm telling, but I'm going to have to fucking introduce that shit because it's quite clearly fucking important. And the reason why I believe it's fucking so important is because... Oh, the shit that I'm going to be talking about today, dog, inevitably with this fucking trajectory about the truth about stories, right? Um, it's going to lead us through the realm of social justice, right? It's just, it's just an inevitability, especially when you're dealing with fucking Jordan Peterson, who, as I've said at the beginning of this series, at the beginning of this story, was one of the fucking impetuses for this entire fucking trajectory that the El Grito podcast is currently on, right? And the reason it's going to inevitably come through with it is because we start to realize, like, this is where I'm at right now, and I'll talk about it more as the podcast continues, but just a little for, uh, just to, you know, uh, throw it into the future, is you start to realize just how shallow, dog, like, just how meaninglessness that struggle ultimately, sadly, even is. And I'll explain more why, for those of you who are listening, getting your little liberal feelings hurt at the moment, like, are you saying that trans rights aren't important? No, dog, that's not what I'm fucking saying. I'm not saying they're not important. I'm not saying they're not fucking meaningful. I'm saying that when you recognize it, when you situate it for what it is, you understand it. Well, at least I've come to understand it as this ideological force, right? This phenomenological lens, if you will, this terministic screen. There's so many fucking ways of explaining it, but this just remains the same. It's the way that we're perceiving reality, the story that we're currently filtering our reality through. And it's being influenced by our material conditions, which are entirely 
fucking relative to the time that we occupy here on Tlaltic Pac. So why is it unimportant? Because, you know, I'm I, I'm not a trans person. I'm a cisgendered piece of shit, chauvinistic male, right? Um, so I, I'm not trying to dismiss it, but I'm saying like, yo, on the cosmic, on, on you know, in the grand scheme of things, nihilism is the is the real threat here. And if nihilism is the fucking undeniable truth of reality, the only truth of reality, then that means nothing fucking matters, dog, including regretfully, woefully, lamentably, trans rights, indigenous sovereignty, black liberation, all that kind of shit. It just boils down to needless suffering, essentially, while we're here on the slippery earth of Tlaltic Pac. And that shit is depressing as fuck. And that is where I have found myself in these last couple of fucking weeks, right, with the sickness of spirit. For those of you that keep up with your boy on the gram, you'll know I've mentioned it. I've made I've made I've made fucking comments to it. Like I just I've been I've not I've been I've been feeling it, right? I talked about it in the previous podcast, and this is a big reason why, yo, is because so much of my life, I'm fucking 34 years old right now, and so much of my life, all of my life, I've always been concerned with this kind of shit. And I devoted most of my adult life to fucking addressing these issues. But occasionally it's the first time it's happened, it's not gonna be the last time it happens until I'm completely fucking removed from them. You you come to the realization, I've come to the realization, like, does this really fucking matter? Like, I'm not trying to say that I'm going to go out of my way to be a fucking piece of shit asshole that's going to shit on trans people, on gay people, on women. Like, I would never be that person. It's just not within me. It's, I don't have it in me, right? But what I'm trying to say is that as I'm going to continue through this podcast, inevitably, the point is going to come where you're going to realize, like, how much of my energy am I expending potentially needlessly on issues like this and, you know, at the expense of my own mental health? And not getting anything from it in return. It sounds selfish, but hopefully as I continue the story, we'll come to understand why. Okay? Now, um, encircling back to this uh, Heideggerian views of Dasein and people that will never take a moment to reflect on how fucking crazy reality is, right? Even if you don't think about it consciously, the fear is intrinsic. And rather than acknowledge it, the fear here being of the unknowingness of reality Many of the peoples, the Dasein, they're just going to project that fear onto external sources, bro. Thinking that once those those sources are vanquished, quote unquote, to use the language from the previous podcast about how Europeans think of shit in terms of vanquishing, your Christian people think of shit in terms of vanquishing, which is leading us to the point of this podcast, right? They think that once we vanquish these fucking external issues, the ensuing fear, if you will, will be vanquished as well. So when it comes to the social justice type shit, they think that by vanquishing the evil white man, if you will, that has undoubtedly, unquestionably influenced the last 500 years of human development from a fucking dialectic, from a rather uh, uh, a material and ideological force. Like you think that just because, you know, you're going to quote unquote vanquish this, you know, white devil, if you will, to use that the language of these uh, extreme left, right or extreme left wing activists. Okay that the ensuing fear associated with reality is going to be vanquished as well. And that's just, it's just not true. It's not true. As I've mentioned before, at multiple points throughout this podcast, everything that, you know, has come for the last 500 years at the behest of European Christians, that same kind of shit is, it's possible by any person, irrespective of their color of their skin and irrespective of their ideology. That's a human nature issue. That is not a fucking, a white European Christian man issue. That's something that all people on this planet can do. And by thinking that we're going to fucking magically vanquish the earth of that and thus the ensuing fear of reality because we've fucking vanquished this, you know, force for the past 500 years that has been as a cause of so much suffering, that's illogical, bro. And honestly, it's a fucking form of weakness. It's the kind of weakness that's common to all people who rely on 
systematic thinking to ground them to reality. What do I mean by systematic thinking? I'm speaking here in terms of Nietzschean philosophy, who himself was a very Nietzsche, a very uh, anti-systematic thinker. He was not a very, he was an anti-systematic thinker. Why? For one of two reasons. Systems, they're, they're, they're structured. And once you, you know, allow yourself to think in terms of systems, you've boxed yourself into a certain mode of reality, a kind of mode that is going to block off all the other facets of reality. And thus, any notion of potential truth will never be possible because you're operating within a system, a very limiting system that doesn't allow you to expand beyond the system because, you know, maybe the ideas that exist outside of the system threaten the actual system that you're in. And thus, you know, it keeps you enclosed in this little box. That's his beef with like Christianity, for example, one of them. Right, the 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 one beef here being is very systematic. It's very rigid. It's very rigid. It's very dogmatic, and you can't question shit that exists outside of this framework because obviously, many of the answers threaten the actual framework, the system itself. So, it's built into the system to keep people from wanting to question it out of fear that the system will collapse upon itself. So Nietzsche's like, no, fuck that systematic thinking bullshit. Like it's limiting you from the potentialities of reality. What is potentially true. And for what reason? Which brings a second reason as to why he's not a fan of it. And it's because you're just weak. Simply put, you're too weak to fucking think outside of this system. You're too think, you're too weak rather to think without this system. And rather than, you know, acknowledge reality for what it really is, you'd rather lean into the system to help pacify all the fears that you have that are inherent with being a fucking living, breathing human being that craves meaning and purpose in a universe that appears to be, at least in the Western Christian world, relatively deplete of either. I emphasize the Western Christian world because obviously this is not the case in Nahuatl philosophy, a point that I've made at various points throughout this podcast and won't bother repeating at this moment. But, you know, even in this Nahuatl philosophy, like the, what it boils down to simply, and this is kind of the point of the podcast, that's why I'm emphasizing it, is that this episode is that if you're not actively acting upon that purpose, it's what the fuck are you doing? Like, it's basically the same problem inevitably that emerges, right? So when I say to myself, like, okay, when, I, when I'm, this is, again, you know, a forward projecting into the end of this podcast, but when I'm sitting here thinking to myself, like, what's my meaning? On, what's my meaning in life? What's my purpose in life? And are you actually doing everything that you can to fucking manifest that shit? And the answer for me really recently has become a resounding no. Why? Because I'm fucking balls deep in this social justice shit that I don't even fucking... I don't, I don't think of anything else. My timeline on Instagram has been fucking programmed in such a way where it's all that comes up. When I'm on fucking, when I'm, when I'm not on the gram, I'm thinking of ways in which, you know, the basic gist is that it's, it's keeping me from enjoying a life of happiness. It's keeping me from doing the things that I need to live a life of happiness because I'm consumed by it. So again, as I mentioned before, the goal moving forward is to try to draw some of my energy back that's being siphoned off for what? So these fucking bureaucrats, these fucking globalists, if you will, can continue to use me as this fucking Muppet to advance their agendas. Like, nah, man, like I'm not, again, I'm not saying these issues aren't important. I'm saying that what we have now, they've been weaponized. They've been bastardized. They've taken all the meaning and purpose behind the initial movement of these social justice uh, issues, and they've completely fucking sterilized them for their own benefit, right? So again, um, when when we're, we're, we're examining these issues, the real terror, okay, is of letting go of these stories, letting go of the story that your entire life is fucking uh, the result of, a, of, of, of these quote unquote evil white men and that everything that's happening to your life is a direct result of their actions and there's nothing that you can do to escape it other than fucking quote unquote vanquish 
right? These evil white men. And that once that happens, all everything is going to be fucking good. Like, nah, dog, that's not true. That's, 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 that's comforting. I'm sure I've been there before. I believed it at one point, but it's almost a numbing drug to falsely believe that it's not real. That's a system. It's a system of thought that's keeping you from seeing, it's keeping us from seeing the wider reality of, of the world for, of reality rather for what it really is. Okay. Again, the real terror is of letting go the stories that have been grounding us to reality and realizing that honestly, bro, we're straight up, we're just being, and this is where that part about the fucking hardware, the software and all that kind of shit comes into play. Okay. There is, to be more appropriate, there's only being and non-being. And not in terms of this dualism where it's one or the other, but in terms of the dynamic, dynamic uh, monism of the Nahuatl philosophy that says they're just two mutually existing things that operate off one another. You have being and non-being, okay? And once you confront this reality the that there is only this, whatever the fuck this is, and then not this, that's, you know, the only apt response, at least for me, is sheer existential dread homie okay that collapses with to the ultimate realization that again reality fucking terrifying and you can either run away from this fact or you can run towards it and this is where i myself am and at right now currently but also most of the time and honestly bro like i'm okay with it right it's it's part of the reason why i i, I appear especially for those that know me like in personal life in my personal life um, but I'm sure it conveys across the gram and through this podcast as well, for those of you who only listen to the podcast, right, or have never met me in person. But um, it's part of the reason why I appear to be so cold and detached and just straight up aloof, homie, right? And it's not because I'm just like, a, I'm not trying to be a dick. I'm not trying to be an asshole. But the, the truth is, like, I've come to the understanding that uh, it's just, it's just, there's just this, there's just this dog. And like to get worked up about any other kind of shit, it's almost inconsequential, right? It's not almost like it just, it is what it is, dog. It is inconsequential. Like it breaks my heart knowing that people are suffering because of the, of their ethnicity, because people are, you know, of their sexual orientation, their gender and all that kind of shit. Like, of course it breaks my heart, dog. But in this fucking universe where there's only, there was no fixed truth, again, to reiterate that ultimately there's no reason why we can state why one of these is, why, why this is good or bad that don't, that doesn't collapse into relativism, namely your own personal beliefs, your own personal opinions. Because if that's the case, dog, then other people have personal beliefs and opinions that don't align with my and yours that think that this kind of shit is bad and they gladly cause suffering. And, you know, minus the fucking fixed truth that we don't have afforded to us on a slippery world of Tlaltic Pak, there's really no reason to say one or the other is correct, okay? And that historically speaking, the only reason why one was considered to be correct and the other considered to not be correct is because one had a stronger army. <laughs> Simply, it's that simple, Doug, okay? Now, um, I've come to the understanding that anyone who has ever spoken of this is they're trying to convey, and that is that, again, we're on this slippery earth, bro, with no fucking idea or as to why or for what purpose, okay? With the only semblance of truth, if you will, quote unquote, being this, this uh, imagined order that has been created by those who they come before us, dog. And this imagined order is a story that they told that helped ease the suffering that not only they were experiencing, but also the people around them 
from the lack of knowledge regarding the fundamental questions of being. What are we doing on earth? What is the meaning of life? Why am I here? What happens before you were born? What happens after you die? And so on, right? And sometimes, though the fear is unbearable, like again, this willful lobotomy type shit, I deeply wish that I could just lapse back into the state of fallenness rather than have to deal with it. Um, I would probably choose... <sighs> Amor Fati, baby. I'm trying to show strength, right? It's all we got. Strength and resolve moving forward, right? It's a moment of admitted, not weakness per se, but vulnerability on my half, like on my behalf. I know sometimes I come across as bold and brash and that's because most of the times I am. But no one is ever 100% bold and brash unless you're fucking completely, you know, dumb sure of yourself, which is probably not a good thing in and of itself, right? But what I'm trying to say is like, yes, it's a moment of admitted vulnerability where, you know, I would probably, when I say I probably would, as opposed to Amor Fati, love your fate, Nietzsche, Nietzsche through Amor Fati is going to tell us, no, you absolutely should love it and you absolutely should embrace it. Like, yes, some 99.9% of the time, that's me, homie, right? Like, fuck yeah, I'll embrace all the suffering because it's ultimately for my betterment, right? But occasionally, you know, it, it, it's, it's kind of unbearable, dog. The fear is unbearable. And I do honestly wish deeply that I could just lapse back into a state of fallenness to help deal with it, right? And... Everyone, every this is everyone, dog. Even the people who pretend to be as fucking woke as anybody on the planet, right? And, you know, myself included. I'm pretty successful most times at doing so with, you know, shit like mindless social media perusing, <laughs> which is why I'm at the point now where like, yo, all I see on my social media is like social justice shit. And it's just like, what is this adding of value to my life? I'm not trying to sound selfish, but hopefully by the end of the podcast, you'll understand what I mean, okay? But occasionally that... That, that even doesn't cut it. There's mindless social media perusing. It doesn't cut it, which is where I'm at now, right? <laughs> so I'm left with this early millennial default of just staring at the wall in complete fucking catatonic despair, trying to numb myself from reality, right? To which, again, I ask myself, like, well, how is this contributing to you living a good, happy life, right? Now, the good news is I've come a long way, whereas unlike in the past where I would lay in this catatonic, catatonic rather state for months at a time where I literally couldn't get out of bed because of the fucking sickness of spirit, right? I've gotten better through, again, of all things, this Nahuatl philosophy. And, you know, it's helped me emerge to the myself that I am now, okay? Um, and the point being here then is that I, I, I pretend like I wanted this willful lobotomy, I pretend like I want to live in this fucking state of fallenness, but it honestly, it doesn't make me happy. It doesn't make me happy to live in that kind of way. So inevitably, I'm forced back to the default, the real default of just amor fati, embracing one's fate, right? Because the irony is that this itself is just another story that we tell ourselves. And moreover, it's filled me with an added component of dread. <laughs> and that is the seeming waste, if you will, quote unquote, for those of you who are listening to audio only of time inherent in doing so that should be spent on what I believe to be some warrior scholar type shit, right? Sharpening the mind, sharpening the spirit, sharpening the fucking body, getting ready for some fucking gloat, some cosmic war, if you will, to contribute my point, my part in keeping the unfolding of Deot and keeping the sun, whatever, from exploding, from not exploding and all that kind of shit, right? Anyways, that's the little Nawa twist on it. And the central takeaway, if any, from this, I suppose, should be that <laughs> if you haven't yet noticed, your boy is not only neurotic and anxious as fuck, and that as much as I wish this plot, this process of floating around 
or rather floating out in the abyss, would cease and that I could find something of a modicum of happiness akin to what I imagine those with unreflective life experience, right? How, how they experience life, these unreflective folk. The truth is, I'm honestly just floating further and further into this darkness, dog, becoming further and further unmoored from this reality and going deeper and deeper and deeper into the midst of the unknown. Now, I know that this is probably not the best promo for my fucking podcast because you're listening and like, yo, what the fuck? I don't want to go down that shit. That shit sounds haunting and terrifying. Like, why the fuck? Why would I willingly do that? And while I understand, I would respectfully disagree. Because as terrifying as it sounds, the truth is, dog, it's it's honestly kind of beautiful, okay? Now, it might sound terrifying, but the reason why I find it beautiful is because it's here. This, this, this space that we're floating out into this fucking nothingness is where discovery happens, bro. It's what the, the, the Nahuatl Lamatini, it's what they meant when they talked about this Catlipoca being darker and mysterious than the night, right? Yo, Yohuali Ehekat, right? Invisible like the night, intangible like the wind. What is that? The truth. What truth? Ultimately, the truth of reality. It's fucking darker, right, than the night, and it's fucking intangible like the wind. It cannot be perceived, right? And it's in this fucking floating nothingness where this truth, that truth <laughs> is, you know, darker and mysterious than the night and intangible than the wind is, we don't know what it is, essentially, Okay. And once you discover that, you start to understand a little bit more of the reality that we find ourselves in, right? This is why this is why Nietzsche said that he himself was willingly, he was willing to go insane. He talks about like, yo, the shit that I'm writing about right now, dog, the shit that I'm fucking discuss- discovering right now is driving me fucking crazy, Nietzsche wrote in his fucking, you know, in his little journal. But he also concluded it by stating like, I will gladly go crazy, which he ultimately did. But the argument can be made that it was probably because of the brain tumor that he had. But regardless, okay, he went crazy nonetheless. And it's something he said, like, yo, the philosophy that I'm, this this truth that I'm discovering, like, it's driving me fucking crazy. But I would willingly go crazy for this truth because it's so fucking beautiful. And that's, you know, that's <laughs> that's kind of the point that I'm trying to get at here. It's like, yeah, it's terrifying, but, you know, don't be, don't, don't be scared, homie, right? It's beautiful. It's something that's worth going insane for. This is where Young, he comes along and he believes that we could find the gold that we're all looking for. What is the gold that we're looking for? Gold sold indigos, homie, on the rise, right? See some fucking um, uh, underachievers language for you. <laughs> Anyways, on some more existential shit, dog, if that wasn't already existential as, as uh, enough, okay? It's in these uncomfortable ass feelings where life exists. At least this is what I've come to know, okay? It's in these uncomfortable ass fucking feelings where life, where life exists, okay? Feeling safe, okay? It's great. Don't get me twisted. But like everything else, yo, there's a time and a place for safety, all right? Nah, don't go off and fucking put yourself in some fucking dangerous predicament and then say it's because your boy said that there was only a time and a place for safety. Like, fuck, don't put me in that position, right? Um, What I'm trying to say is like within reason, dog. Don't go off fucking doing dangerous shit. I'm saying like emotionally, intellectually, spiritually, there's a time and a place to feel safe. But there's also a time and a space to fucking explore, yo, okay? And <laughs> as awesome as safety is, sometimes we need to not feel safe so that we may continue to grow. Because in this safety is the undoubted drug of comfort, yo. And this comfort will fucking get you. 
and it will sink its fucking hooks into you. And the next thing you know, 20, 30, 40 years of your time on this slippery earth, has come to pass and you've been comfortable the entire time. And now you're running out of time to do anything that was going to help lead, help you lead a life of meaning, purpose, and happiness, right? So I guess a better way to state this then is that we need to not feel comfortable no matter how safe feels, or rather how safe doing so feels, because it's in this space where we grow, okay? Um, but again, and perhaps more importantly, it's where life is experienced. So what I mean by that, dog, is like, okay, about a week ago, here going back to the Bobby Schmurter, it must be up in the air, dog, about a week ago, hey, right? Um, I was in a jujitsu tournament. I haven't posted about it yet. I've been waiting to drop this podcast to do so. Now that it's out there, it's out there, right? And the reason I didn't post it is because your boy didn't do too well. I was very disappointed with myself, honestly. Okay. Um, but we'll talk about that some other time. But it, for now, it's the experience that I had in the jujitsu tournament that I'm trying to discuss. And the reason here being is because as anxious and nervous as fuck as I was, Doug, honestly, I just wanted it to be over with. Like, I really, that's part of the reason why I'm disappointed with myself. I didn't do so hot. And, you know, there's a, a million fucking reasons why I didn't do so hot, but none more so important than the actual truth is the guy that beat me on points, two of them, was just better than me that day. That's the most important point, okay? But I'm trying to explain my psyche leading up to this nonetheless because it's kind of it's going to help me make the point that I'm trying to make. And the point is that I was disappointed in myself, dog, because I kind of felt like I quit on myself, right? And the reason is because I was so anxious and so fucking nervous that I just wanted it to be over with, bro. I just wanted those uncomfortable feelings to be over with. Um, the feeling of uh, knowing that you're going to be competing and people are going to be watching. The feeling of knowing that you may very well lose, which obviously I did. And the ensuing embarrassment that you would feel for having done so. I just, it was so overwhelming that I just wanted fucking, I wanted it to be over with. I was cutting weight. I didn't fucking want to have to cut weight. I like to eat, right? I like to drink water. And, you know, having to go through all this kind of shit was very fucking frustrating. Quick break, but the point I'm trying to make, oh, a little rap. There you go. Um, I used to actually rap in the past, and I'm looking forward to trying to do so again in the future, but hopefully we'll see how everything pans out, right? Anyways, um, I was nervous, anxious as fuck, felt like I quit on myself because the, the feelings were just overwhelming, and I just wanted them to be over with, right? I fucking was hating every second until it finally hit me, okay? And it is that it was in that experience where the new experiences of life that are just as valid as those of safety were born, okay? What I'm trying to say is like, again, there's the time and the place for safety, dog, but there's also a time and a place to fucking, to not feel safe, okay? Because even though I've competed before in the past, jujitsu and won, okay? I hadn't done so in about fucking four, three years, three, four years. And I realized in that time of space that in, in between competitions, it's like, yo, honestly, what am I training jujitsu for? I mean, I know why I'm training jujitsu. I don't do so for the fucking physical benefits i do so for the mental and spiritual benefits that's just the fucking truth dog okay i do so for the camaraderie but it would you would be fucking remiss to not admit that there is a physical element to it it's in the fuck it's, it's the name of the game right so when you're competing or rather when you're training it's like well, what am i going to build all this training for like yeah you're sharpening your, your mental game you're sharpening your spiritual game and all that but there's also a physical game that you know needs to be explored as well and more importantly I, this is like me honest being honest with you I think to myself, I think of myself as a warrior scholar, 
But part of the warrior element implies that you actually go to battle, quote unquote, which is something the Nawal would do all the time is the ritual warfare. It was them. And that's how they developed their, that's how they, you know, manifested the warriors, did their meaning and purpose in life on Tlaltik Pak. And I said, if I'm going to be, if I'm going to be fashioning myself in that vein, I got to be fucking engaging in some, some something similar to the same. Obviously, I'm not going to sign up for the military because fuck all that. So the next best thing for me is obviously a jujitsu tournament because it's in and of itself a form of ritual fucking battle, right? And um, <laughs> it, it was in this fucking preparation for this that all these uncomfortable ass feelings started to emerge. And I honestly just wanted to feel safe. I wanted to just avoid them completely and just get it over with so I can go back to feeling comfortable, right? But the truth is, dog, is that those fucking experiences... They're just as valid as those as safety, okay? And rather than running from that feeling, I realized that I needed to be familiarizing myself with it. Right? I needed to familiarize myself with the fear of potentially losing a tournament, the fe- which obviously I did. The fear of fucking getting, you know, embarrassed, which I don't think I did. Um, I lost my points, two of them, right? In front of other people, right? And rather than, you know, like avoiding them, appreciate them instead for the newfound experience of life that it truly was, Right? And, you know, obviously this isn't even a lesson that's limited to just the jujitsu competition, you know, it extends to every single facet of our life. And one of the best ways that, you know, it relates to the story that I'm currently telling you is to consider it in terms of the stories that we engage with, especially the unfamiliar ones, right? And <laughs> I find this to be the, be the best way that I can explain this is through conspiracies. Because for some reason, conspiracy theories, dog, they're a story that people just fucking, you either love them or hate them, right? There's very few people who are ambivalent when it comes to conspiracy theories, right? You either are fucking, you're in all the way or you fucking reject them outright completely, okay? Now, me personally, obviously, I'm obsessed with all sorts of these quote-unquote crazy conspiracies, right? And I say quote-unquote because I'm, ta- I'm talking about, I'm, I'm, I'm obsessed with shit like aliens, I'm obsessed with shit like robots, you know what I mean? With zombies, yo. And <laughs> I'm obsessed with them because, you know, they're just another one of the many fascinating facets of reality, okay, that we're living in. And I've always, always gotten a lot of flack for this, even before I was a fucking philosophy major, let alone a philosophy professor, okay? But I definitely started catching a lot of flack for it once I became a professor with the similar alleged critique of how can you, quote unquote, believe all this type of nonsense, right? Which, as I've mentioned before, is fucking hilarious because that's the type of nonsense that we fucking deal with in philosophy, dog. We deal with aliens. We deal with fucking uh, philosophical zombies. We're robots. You know what I mean? Like, we, this is the world that we live in in philosophy. Um, with the only difference being is that they're thought experiments. So people are having these conversations, right? And <laughs> they're just like, well, this is just a hypothetical. But me personally, I'm not like them, Right. And I have no problem extending from, you know, the confines of academia and into the actual real world that we exist in because it's one thing to just sit there and, you know, discuss the existence of zombies and aliens and robots in this sterilized environment. But it's a complete different thing to take it into the real world and be like, yo, what, there may very well be these shits, right? And this is where <laughs> I really run into most of the tension regarding these type of ideas, right? And I just, I just do not understand the logic to it, homie, or perhaps... Better stated, the lack thereof that informs the people's critiques, okay? Because, you know, on one hand, they're trying to tell you that it's cool to consider these ideas when we're agreeing that they're nothing more than fucking hypothetical thought experiments. But the second we start talking about them as actual possibilities, suddenly these ideas are fringe and dangerous. Like, nah, nah, come on. What's happening here is your story about reality is being threatened in an uncomfortable way. And rather than continue, this is the, the part of the systematic thinking that I was talking about with Nietzsche, why he's so against it. 
right? Uh, the systematic thinking here is not Christianity. It's fucking academic philosophy. Your story of reality is being threatened in a very uncomfortable way. And rather than fucking engage with these ideas, you're reverting, you're leaning into the comfort of your systematic thinking in order to avoid having to deal with the potential that you may very well be walking among aliens, homie, of avoid having to deal with the potential that you may very well be living in coexistence with aliens and fucking zombies. Okay, the person that you're talking to might not really be a fucking real person. It may be a fucking philosophical zombie. Like, that's fucking very possible, dog, right? You're gonna look at him like, yo, are you a robot? No. Do I believe you? Fuck no. Okay, cool. So here we go, right? And that's the nonsense that I'm talking about, right? This is the comfortability that I'm talking about when it comes to philosophy. And uh, why it's nonsense is because, yo, we're grounding on, on philosophy. We're grounding our philosophy, okay, on shit that's been, quote unquote, accepted already, right? Or perhaps established, right? And honestly, that's not helping anyone, dog. It's not helping anyone, okay? Um, this is like backward looking nonsense that blinds us from, again, the infinitely many possibilities of both the past, present and the future, right? All of which make up this complex mystery of fucking existence, okay? So it's at this point where the schism between, you know, philosophy and rhetoric, they really start to come into play, right? I've mentioned before that I'm getting the PhD in rhetoric, right? And the reason, the reason why it's such a fucking schism is because rhetoric has no problem with this, Doug. They come up with new shit all the fucking time. And it, this, this idea isn't radical or revolutionary. In fact, I personally would argue that invention, <laughs> it's part of fucking, it's part of the rhetorical practice. It's called rhetorical invention for a reason, okay? The invention is the new ways of explaining reality, basically. So the real question is that we'll uncover this, or rather... <laughs> I'll uncover, I'll rather cover it because another important question comes up and I'll discuss it in another, in another episode, right? When it comes to this epistemic invention, the question is, are you really inventing anything or are you just discovering something that was previously undiscovered because you were thinking within the systematic framework that you were engaged in, right? But different topic for another podcast, another chapter to the story, perhaps in the future. For now, the point that I'm trying to make is that, it, again, it's fucking hilarious, dog, that philosophy itself is predicated on this story, which realistically, if you're going to fucking be honest with yourself, doc, is nothing more than a giant conspiracy. And the giant conspiracy here, the one that Jordan Peterson and company refused to fucking accept, is that someone, anyone, fucking the, the Greeks, the ancient Greeks, right, figured, managed to figure out what reality is, doc. When in truth, they have no fucking clue. They didn't have a clue then. We don't have a clue now, okay? And the conspiracy is to believe otherwise, right? And to engage in all the actions necessary to continue to uphold that misguided belief, right? No one has any idea of what the fuck is happening, okay? And if they do, it's probably hidden in some fucking secret, secret cult that refuses to let us know for, you know, I think about it all the time and I'm saying, why they refuse to let us know? Because as soon as people fucking figure out what's going on in the world, like the great fucking quote by that former president Bush, I believe, as soon as people wise up to what's really going on in the streets, or rather to what's really going on here in this country, the streets will run red with blood, right? And I'm, I'm of the opinion that's probably the case, okay? That we as humans, we've had all our meaning, purpose, power stripped from us just so we can continue being cattle on this fucking prison planet, right? Um, but for now, the point that I'm trying to make is that no one realistically knows what's happening. No one knows what's going on. No one knows what reality is. We've all just made up stories and we're fighting for dominance of, this partic of any particular story, okay? Again, being is fucking haunting existence is fucking haunting bro 
And these stories that we tell, they are what keep the anxiety that this shit induces away. The anxiety that, you know, is induced when we stop and think about just how fucking terrifying existence is, right? And it's why people will defend these fucking stories so insistently, dog. And for me personally, this is the point that I was trying to get to when I said that I hope my intentions come across as pure. Just the point that I'm trying to state, dog, is like everything else, it's kind of just a distraction from this fact, yo. And I'm honestly at the point now where I'm ready to completely accept this fact and just resign myself entirely, right? Accept the fact that as important as I personally feel as indigenous sovereignty is, it's kind of just a distraction from the fact that being in and of itself, like it's it's just there, dog. It's just, there's nothing, there's nothing. There's just the stories that we tell each other and the way that they operate through us, okay? And <laughs> honestly, like I'm not, I'm, I don't really know, dog. I don't know. I don't know if this is a good thing. I don't know if it's a bad thing just yet, right? It's too soon in the process. I'm, I'm only now, I'm like the little dude from the fucking Among Us game that's floating out of the fucking spacecraft into the abyss, right? It's too soon in the process to know whether it's fucking a good thing or a bad thing, right? But as of speaking of this, I can say that realizing this has made me, you know, made me depressed, dog. It's, it's enlightened. It's enlivened the sickness of spirit, Okay. And this is not new. This is not new to me. I'm sure perhaps at some point you, if you're listening to this, have experienced this before. And if you haven't yet, perhaps just listening to this now is going to be the catalyst for that. But um, yeah, dog, for sure. I know that the Nahuatl, it's something that they encountered themselves when they came to the understanding of the impossibility of knowing of any fixed truth, rather, on this slippery earth of Tlatikpak, dog. Because again, if there's no fixed truth and there is no meaning and purpose, which means that nihilism is the law, nihilism is the truth, and that it's it's, it's all for not, dog. It's all for not. okay? Now, to be fair, this isn't the first time that I've experienced this. And uh, I'm not going to, I'm going to venture to say it probably won't be the last, okay? Um, but the good news is because, again, I'm not a black pill guy and I don't think it's just doom and gloom. I have fucking infinite, endless hope in the redemptive nature of humans, yo. Um, and inevitably, I always come to the conclusion that it's okay, it's okay for for there to be nothing for just for just for there to just be being like that's okay, right? And that it's okay to just be here for the fucking ride, yo. And that part of that entails that you should be seeking as many facets of this fucking ride as humanly possible to enjoy it while you can, right? Not just the ones that make us feel safe, but the ones that make us feel unsafe as well. Why? Because this is just not going to last, dog. And you got to try to experience as much of it as you can to try to make the best of it as you can. And a large part of that is accepting the fact that as seemingly important as the current issues that we are discussing are, right? The social justice issues, for instance, are the fucking, that's just it. It's front and center, dog. It's the ideological fucking lens through which our time here on earth is fucking being filtered through, right? That it may very well... Uh, <laughs> As it may very well just be a fucking distraction, dog. It's just theater, okay? To distract us willingly. We've created this theater, right? Um, to distract us from the fact that we still have no fucking clue what the meaning and purpose of life is, let alone the haunting fact that there may very well be none, okay? Now, I know it sounds strange to say that we created this because most people who are listening to this are probably like, nah, fuck that. I'm here because of, you know, what the, the past 500 years of history, but... I will contend is like, yo, we don't exist in a vacuum, dog. We don't exist just here in the world. And then, you know, white European Christians exist outside of the vacuum. They are in this bitch with us, dog. 
And the reason for their fucking actions is every bit entailed by the fact that they themselves are afraid of the fucking haunting nature of reality. And instead of fucking embracing it and confronting it, chose to develop a story where they put themselves on this fucking pedestal and imagine themselves through this imagined order, this story that they told each other as a fucking, as these saviors of fucking humanity, right? But realistically, like, it's just a story. It's just a story that they told themselves. It's a story that they've acted through with their actions for the past 500 years, but there's no, there's no, there's no bearing to it. There's no truth behind it. You know what I'm saying? So they're just every bit as much fucking lost in the sauce as we are. <laughs> okay. And again, it ultimately boils down to the reason that that story was developed is because they themselves were looking for meaning and purpose in life and they developed it through that story. Right now, obviously going down that rabbit hole is just another one of the many fucking chapters for this story that's continuing to unfold. Right. But ultimately the truth remains the same. And that is that nihilism is a very real threat, dog. And rather than acknowledge this fact, we just distract ourselves with issues of, un, you know, undoubtedly, they're undoubtedly importance. But ultimately, minus any fixed truth, are ultimately inconsequential. They're ultimately meaningless, dog. Right? These social justice issues that I had devoted the entirety of my life to. It's depressing as fuck just thinking about it, right? Uh, it's just, you know, it's ulti- minus the fixed truth, they're ultimately meaningless, bro. And this is where the resignation that I've been speaking of comes to bear. I've come to understand this fact long before, but it's been hitting me really hard as fuck lately, dog, as I've continued to develop this story, right? Um, because again, I've legit dedicated most of my life to this, and I'm only now realizing that it may very well have all been a waste, okay? But again, Nietzsche, Amor Fati, love your fate. Like, it's not a waste per se, but it's like, oh, damn, like a chapter of my life is coming to an end and a new one is going to be written inevitably, right? And it's just, it's not going to be the same as before, right? For better or for worse, <laughs> all right? Um, and then you add on to that, the discourse surrounding these events, The one of the more one of the more frustrating things is like, it's not original, dog. And for me, I don't know, bro, I, I'm not trying to paint myself as special. I'm just saying like, the lack of originality, it just drains my soul. It legitimately pains me. So seeing the lack of originality unfolding through these current events, it's just, it's a cocktail on my behalf for existential dread, right? So that's part of the reason why I'm stating like, I'm just going to try to just divorce myself from this kind of shit now because it really is a matter of mental health at this point, dog. I cannot continue to fucking engage with this shit because it's legitimately coming at the cost of my fucking happiness. It's sucking my energy away from me, right? And the worst part, dog, the what the worst fucking part is <laughs> the realization that any sort of change isn't even possible, you know, within the current framework that we're in. So what I'm trying to state is like for any for 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 any sort of resolution to be had on my behalf, it was gonna have to come with the complete dismantling of the fucking Western Christian epistemology, which is only now beginning to become in its infancy it's so far away in the future that i understand like i'm not even going to be here to enjoy it i'll be fucking buried long before that shit comes to bear which is fine it's not going to stop me from continuing to do so i'm just currently stating that until that is the case there will never be any original fucking discourse regarding issues of social justice why because the institutions that they're operating within here in america are inherently conservative bro even the most seeming progressive ones in the world will not change this because it will inevitably collapse right back into conservatism. This conservatism 
It's a safeguard, dog, that's written into the very nature of the Western Christian world. And the only way to fucking avoid it is to escape that world, right? And like I said, that's that's long ways away, dog. Um, And, you know, the question is, like, how much of your life are you willing to give up until that point comes, right? Uh, For now, you realize that until that happens, you're just going to find yourself, irrespective, again, dog, left or right, it doesn't matter. They're ultimately both conservative. And, you know, the funny shit about the word conservative is it's, it's in its name to conserve, right? Which makes it fundamentally opposed to change. So as long as we're abiding by this fucking, this, this dialect, if you will, there will never be any sort of change, right? So it's because of this that I insist that academia, for instance, isn't or should be the epistemic court that gets to determine what is legitimate or what isn't legitimate epistemic inquiry, like fucking <laughs> conspiracy theories, for example, okay? Now, uh, don't get me twisted. There is an undoubted importance for the role of like sustaining and conserving shit. And to argue otherwise, honestly, would run afoul of the dynamic, dynamic monism that informs Nahuatl philosophy. So it would be completely anti-indigenous thought, at least anti-Nahuatl thought, to state that there isn't a fucking role for conservatism, okay? But the problem is that this Western world only focuses on the conserving element, despite the unquestionable importance of shaking shit up, dog, radically so sometimes, right? Whether it be on a social scale or within your own personal life, like you want to break out of the fucking NUI, you want to break out of the fucking rut you find yourself in, you're going to have to shake shit up, dog, in your own personal life. That's part of the reason of, you know, me going off to compete in the jiu-jitsu tournament and then understanding and embracing or experiencing, more importantly, all the uncomfortable feelings inherent with doing so, Right? And if we are unable to shake shit up, we're, we're missing out, dog. We're missing out considerably. And in turn, you know, you should feel under no obligation to remain within these parameters. That's what the importance of Nietzsche with a systematic thought. Like, this shit's not helping us, dog. So why the fuck should I feel obligated to remain within this fucking systematic framework, right? It's, it's, it's nonsense. And they can, they can name call all they'd like, but the quote-unquote truth, dog... It was, it's always going to reveal itself inevitably. I, I don't think truth doesn't exist. I just think it exists in a multitude of forms, like a grand plurality of truth, right? Maybe I shouldn't stay, be so strong in stating that I don't think it exists. Maybe it doesn't exist, but I know that there's a lot of truth things that, things that seemingly seem to be true, okay? And they exist in a plurality in a sense, right? Um, so these people, they can, you know, name call, they can say, this is what the truth is, right? Whatever the case might be. But if it's the, if it's actual true shit, it doesn't need any force to to make it so, right? So the, either the idea will have merit or it won't. And what should never determine this is the confines of the system which it's attempting to germinate with it, okay? Now, again, it doesn't matter whether this is fucking politics. It doesn't matter whether this is religion. It doesn't matter whether it's culture. It As, as long as we're existing within these fucking systematic frameworks... We're never going to be able to escape and shake shit up radically enough to make any actual change, right? So the real irony then is that in all of this, even the most seemingly radical revolutionary of practices themselves inevitably collapse into conservatism. We saw this in the 20th century with communist movements. We saw it again in recent memory with all that fucking social justice shit that amounted to nothing more than fucking liberal virtue signaling, okay? through the policing of language, the removing of mascots, the defunding of police. Listen, I'm all for all of that, dog. I don't think that you should be fucked because, again, language shapes reality. So, of course, I don't want people to fucking run around 
you know, shitting on other people because of their ethnicity, their gender, their fucking sexual orientation. Of course not, dog. Right? The removal of mascots. Like, obviously, you cannot be fucking indigenous movement and fucking support mascots. Indigenous mascots. Like, the two are mutually exclusive. As far as defunding the police, dog, like, hey, man, that's a tricky one because at the one hand, you realize, like, yeah, the police department's got a lot of fucking money. We got to redistribute that wealth into the communities. But on the other hand, you got to accept the fact that people are fucking people. We're fucked up and someone's going to keep someone safe, right? <laughs> um, so what I'm trying to say is, like, don't get me twisted, yo. I'm for all of this. But what I'm vehemently against is the comforting facade that is simply doing so in uh, uh, the comforting facade that has us believing that simply virtue signaling this is enough to enact serious change. It's not, dog. It's it's just not. My favorite example of this was the meme uh, during the land back, well, it's during all the, the, the social unrest of 2020. And, you know, they fucking took the, the Indian off the lands of Lake Butter, <laughs> right? And they said that they were doing so in an effort to fucking, you know, whatever, whatever the fuck reasoning they give whatever bullshit has virtue signaling reason they gave. But ultimately, the clap back to that meme was, this is typical European Christian fucking shit. You removed the Indian and you kept the fucking land. Like, yeah, dog, that's exactly what I'm saying. You got to resist that comforting fucking facade that just by doing, you know, just going through the motions of social justice is enough to enact any actual change. That just going through the motions of social justice is enough to give your life meaning, purpose, and value. It's not, dog. And the same is true with the policing of language. Because again, language, it's important, dog. But once we start shutting that shit off, we're inviting the opportunity to start censoring even the language that we agree with. And from there, it's a very slippery fucking slope that history tells us doesn't generally end well, dog. And then, of course, the most famous example, the fucking defunding of the police, namely what happened in fucking Chaz, right? They fucking declared the city block cop-free and then turned around and created their own fucking police. What happened in Minneapolis, they fucking defunded the police only to turn around and regret it immediately because the crime rate fucking skyrocketed immediately thereafter, right? Now, what I'm trying to state, how I'm trying to situate it for this particular episode is simple. This is just part of the process, the process of deconstructing and constructing new worlds, the process of revealing new worlds that have always existed, right? It's a frustrating process. So much so that one can hardly fault conservatives for seeking to remain the same, okay? But as the oft-quoted on this podcast homie, J. Cole states, right? Change is slow. Always has been. Always will be. We may not be around to see this change manifest, but that doesn't mean that we should acquiesce to the conservative or the regressive, right? So if you're reading it, what I'm trying to say is that if you're reading this from a Western lens, we could say that this dialectical process takes a while to unfold. I'm not... Western lens, I don't believe in a dialectical process, but for the sake of argument, this is what we're talking about, right? Why does it take a while to unfold? It's simple. First, these ideas need to get invented, and inherently, this is a progressive task. Then they need to gain legitimacy. Then, and only if they are accepted, they must continue to fight for legitimacy. And as the process continues, if the knowledge is not transferred appropriately, the message runs the risk of being lost upon those who do not understand the core of the message that is being delivered, at which point it is bastardized and turned into a fucking shell of its former self, yo. And then, of course, it's at this point where it starts to become regressive. And once revolutionary and progressive ideas that may have started out altruistic, they fucking, even if they were correct, dog, they are replaced once again by the initial established ideas they unseated, 
however long ago it may have been. Why? Because in order to maintain those ideas, these once radically promising fucking ideas, you have to conserve them. And the only way to do so is through conservative actions, right? Hence the importance of maintaining the core message, which, you know, of being able to understand it properly and so on and so forth, okay? So in this dialect that this Western Christian world finds itself in, inevitably, progressivism will collapse into conservatism, and it's going to always die at regressivism. It's where we are right now with the social justice issues, Doug. And again, these once previously revolutionary and progressive ontologies that were constructed, the practice of maintaining of maintaining them inevitably is going to make them fucking conservative, dog. So, you know, they're going to dig their heels in and refuse to budge in any way. Hence, this conservative mindset that is built into even the most radically progressive people, right? It's not a system of values, conservatism. It's a practice. And even the most extreme behaviors, dog, can be normalized, at which point nothing will really be considered taboo except being an individual. And that's what we're fucking seeing right now, dog. Individuality has always been under attack. In our time frame, it's under attack by people who refuse to acquiesce to the fucking dominant norm, to the dominant narrative, which is, you know, it's it for better or for worse, dog, like it to each their own, I guess you could say. Like that's the core of philosophy, like an authentic existence and all that kind of shit shouldn't be threatened, irrespective of whether we think doing so is for the collective good, right? This is the Nietzschean influence on hood philosophy. Now, to be fair, this is a lot of work, especially for weak people. So to be able to um, acknowledge the fact that, you know, it's okay for people to not agree with you, okay? And it's also a lot of work to acknowledge the fact that some sort of semblance of fucking balance must be kept because, again, the dynamic, dynamic monism necessitates that they're both dependent upon one another. One cannot vanquish the other, right? And it's out of the unwillingness to acknowledge this that the social justice movement has, it's collapsed, dog. It's collapsed into polemics and truisms, Right? And any reference of them alone is enough to incite feelings of disgust. And that's kind of where I find myself at. Like, I'm all for this indigenous sovereignty shit, dog. But sometimes I look at people who are complaining about all kinds of shit. Like, I don't give a fuck about Taco Bell. I really don't. I don't give a fuck that they're allegedly appropriating Mexican food. They're not. It's just a fucking taco, dog. Right? And that's not even a real taco. It's just, it's a Taco Bell taco. So I don't give a fuck about that. But yet that's what this shit has been reduced to. So much to the point where just hearing about it instills in me a fucking violent reaction of disgust where I'm just completely fucking, I'm just fucking over it, dog. Why? Because it's taking my happiness away from me. It's making me not enjoy my fucking time here on Tlaltic Pak, okay? And obviously, as I've already mentioned in a previous chapter of the story, anything that isn't fucking helping you in this life, uh, live a good, happy life, is keeping you from doing so. And if that's the case, like, you got to cut that shit out, dog. And for me, now, it's come through a very, it's come through all sorts of different shit, but now it's starting to manifest itself in terms of these social justice issues, okay? The real honest beef is realizing that it's like, yo, these people who are fucking out here trying to police everybody, they're not going to do the shit that I value most. And that is turn inwards yet, okay? They're not going to turn inwards, dog. And yet, they're still looking for a shock, okay? In order to try to, keep them from acknowledging the fucking, the real problem. And the real problem is that we don't know what the fuck is going on with reality. That's the real issue. And instead of acknowledging that, instead of turning inward and doing the shadow work necessary to come to terms with that, they're just going to keep looking for all sorts of different shit to hang their hat on and consider themselves unique, quote unquote, and special, if you will, for doing so, right? 
these fuck like in the past for instance it was radical and revolutionary marijuana legalization and fucking gay marriage but that's no longer the case okay so since that's no longer moving the meter we're just gonna start attacking science if you will right which is you know i'm not against it i'm just saying it's like once you fucking open up that once you open up that fucking that space dog it's a very slippery slope okay and it invites mockery of the initial positions that you're attempting to advance and you know in that space is where a lot of these trolls dog of the highest fucking caliber they're creative and they make a mockery a mockery excuse me of even the most progressive of values right <laughs> these people dog these caricatures of what you have of progressive quote unquote liberals you know whether it be the person with the fucking bob the brightly colored haircut or the beta male feminist dog they're just caricatures yo they're character caricatures for an entire movement that has collapsed upon itself due to their misguided understanding of what they believe the truth to be. These people are not woke. They're fucking morons, dog. And they're balls deep in this fucking cave, the platonic cave, where, you know, there's shadows on their wall. They're mistaking the shadows on the wall for truth. And the saddest part, dog, is they don't even fucking realize it. These are not philosophers. These are fucking sophists. And they're using social currency, the social currency, I should say, that they own, that they earn by manipulating the words that currently sound pleasing to the masses to garner the likes necessary to distract themselves from the real fucking issues, dog. And the issue, of course, is the stories that we tell each other. The stories that we fucking make up to give us some sense of comfort in this wild existence of reality that no one has any fucking clue of, right? Now, listen closely to what I'm saying, dog, because again, this is where... <laughs> This is where some people will lazily jump in and accuse me of hilariously being alt-right or some fucking ridiculous shit like that to try to dismiss you. Like, how fucking... It's just the idea of a, of a Mexican, of a Chicano Nazi dog. Like, that shit is just fucking hilarious to me. But it's not going to stop them from accusing me for those, those fucking fake woke folks that hear this shit of doing of, of that very thing, right? I'm not saying, again, just to be explicitly fucking clear, that there aren't real issues that need to be solved. I'm not saying that protecting trans lives is unimportant. None of that. I'm saying that you, these so-called social justice warriors, they're making a mockery of these very important things that we must do. And in turn, they're making it more difficult for those who are truly trying to advance society to do so. Why? Because you're allowing this fucking state-sanctioned liberal education to co-opt our struggles, dog. The Democratic Party, this last election cycle, co-opted the struggle of indigenous peoples here on Turtle Island by stating that they were no longer going to deport people, that they were going to release all the children from the immigration cages, right? They co-opted our struggle, a very real struggle, and they made a fucking mockery of it. They pandered it out to the fucking Democratic liberals of America and state that if you vote us into office, we will stop doing this, which they fucking didn't, which we knew they fucking wouldn't, dog. They stole our struggle and they fucking used it for their aims, and it's become a mockery now, and even more so an impediment to the change that we wish to truly see in the world. Because now no one's going to want to vote for a fucking Democrat that runs off this fucking platitude, and what's going to happen is not that the kids are going to be released from the cages, not that the families are going to stop being deported, but that people are going to stop fucking caring. And that's what I'm saying is like, that's what is happening also with these social justice movements. It's like, yo, like you think you're doing a good thing, but realistically, dog, you're really not, Right. So, honestly, I'm just done. Like, I'm fucking done. I don't care. I don't care if I get dismissed by these fuckheads. Because, since honestly, since when did appealing to the masses become a good thing anyways, for one? 
Last time I checked, America, it sucks at education, dog. And we're going to let these fucking people dictate our reality? These people with terrible educations? Fuck out of here, yo. Um, and these are just a bunch of fucking uneducated plebes, dog. They've lost their collective fucking minds. And me personally, me personally, I'll be damned if I'm going to let these little inmates run the asylum, yo. Because guess what? I got to live here with you, yo. And the story that you're currently developing in the world to try to fucking, you know, detract from the uncomfortable feelings associated with, you know, confronting reality, I'm not with it. I'm not with it, okay? There are, again, like I said, there's certain truths to this world and it's being jaded. And in doing so, it's lending credence to these conservative fuckheads that reel us back to where it is that we first started. So I'm fucking done. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, that's, that's the point I'm trying to make, dog. The whole point that I was trying to make is I'm fucking done, yo. I'm handing in this quote-unquote liberal card of mine and completely disassociating myself from whatever it is that y'all are on to next, dog. Because it's just, I'm not an ally, dog. And it's, I, it's, I'm not anything to do with you. And it's not because I don't fucking, I'm not, I'm not not an ally because I don't believe equality is unimportant or shit like that. <laughs> These fucking sneaky fucks, dog. They'll look for that shit and they'll be like, oh, he said he's not an ally. Fuck you, okay? I'm not an ally because I'm actually educated in the history of the very ideas you're trying to profess. And I know, like Jordan Peterson, this is the defense of Jordan Peterson coming up soon, exactly where we have been and exactly where we are going. This Marxism debate, dog, long been settled, okay? It's, it's just, that's it. It's done, okay? There's no need to rehash this argument, okay? As far as the dialect is concerned, important, no doubt. But what I'm trying to say is that I'm done distracting myself through these issues that are of undoubted importance, but have been co-opted and have been fucking sterilized for another agenda that doesn't have anything to do with me. I'm done concerning myself with them, right? As a way of escaping the real fucking issue. And the real issue, again, the story that we're collectively telling ourselves to avoid having to confront the reality of reality. That's what I'm focused on now, dog. I want to embrace the uncomfort, as uncomfortable as it is, as uncomfortable as it is, because again, as I've said, it's in this uncomfortability where the experience of life reveals itself. It's going to be uncomfortable, dog. And I feel myself floating more and more into that direction, but I would much rather be completely lost in the sauce, if you will, completely lost in space in that uncomfortability than giving any more of my energy to this fucking story that has been co-opted to fucking keep people from having to deal with that fucking uncomfortable fact, Okay. So I understand like, yo, maybe what I'm saying is offensive or maybe you're just a weak fucking bitch dog that's trying to control me by indoctrinating me with your thought process necessary to build an ontology dog so that you can rise to power. Like I'm not dumb, yo. I know how ontologies work. I'm not racist. I'm not sexist. I'm not homophobic because of everything that I just said. I'm not transphobic. I know this dog. I know this in my heart of hearts. If you've been listening to this podcast long enough, if you've vibed with me for long enough, you know it to be true as well. I'm not none of that just because I'm no longer going to concern myself with those issues. What I'm concerned with is me living a happy life. And I can't do so anymore by just focusing on all the shit that we're constantly, constantly being bombarded with through social media, dog. And again, that's the most important point for today. All I'm trying to do is to create. That's it. That's all I'm trying to do at this point, dog. I'm here for the ride, yo. I'm just trying to enjoy the ride. And the only way I can do so is through creation. Okay, because it's through this creation that I feel alive. This is not new. This is Nahuatl wisdom, dog. Inixli in right? Flori canto, homie. The realization that the act of creation as a means of channeling the divine is what brings purpose and value to our life. And it's impossible. It's impossible for me to do that 
by focusing on the dominant media of today, on the dominant ideology of today. So it's because of that that I have no fucking choice to withdraw. Like I just I have to. I have to withdraw. Okay? I'm not an ally, not because I don't want to see equality. I'm not an ally because I can no longer give my life and energy to that process unfolding, God. It's robbing me of my precious time here on Plastic Pot, okay? And like I said in a previous chapter of the story, again, anything that doesn't help us live our best life is ultimately hurting us, social justice included, which is an interesting bridge to the next inevitable point of the story that's unfolding that will inevitably be Again, an actual defense of Jordan Peterson. Because A, you cannot just talk shit about someone without giving them their due proper. And B, most importantly, a lot of what he says, even though I don't agree as a whole, he's right. He's simply right. So, yeah, I guess that would be all for today. I hope you all (laughs) enjoyed this chapter of the fucking story that I'm currently unfolding for now. Um, I hope you enjoy this whenever time, day, night, space, whenever you're hearing this and that you have a great rest of your day until next time. Peace.